Thanks for joining me for the premiere episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking with the editor of Family Tree Magazine, Allison Stacy. We'll be covering the latest hot topics from the blogosphere with genealogy insider, blogger, and managing editor, Diane Haddad. And in our top tips segment, we'll be getting some strategies on how to make contact with distant and maybe not so distant relatives. Our best website pick this month is WorldCat, the world's largest network of library content and services. And we'll be breaking through some brick walls with Sharon DiBartola Carmack in our Best of Family Tree Magazine segment. There's lots to cover, so let's get to it. Our first stop is the editor's desk with Allison Stacy. probably familiar with Allison Stacy's editor's column called Out on a Limb that appears at the beginning of each issue of the magazine. Well, in each episode of this podcast, we're going to have the chance to check in with Allison and get the inside scoop as to what we can look forward to in the upcoming issues. Hi, Allison. Hi, Lisa. It is so fun to be working with you now on the new Family Tree Magazine podcast. So let's start with um, maybe sharing with our listeners what your inspiration was for publishing the podcast. Well, the neat thing about podcasting is it gives us a new platform to share our advice and instruction from the magazine and additional instruction and advice that maybe we can't share in the magazine because the format just doesn't lend itself to it. With a podcast, you can listen in places you can't read a magazine, like the car, at the gym, while you're shopping or doing yard work. You just load it up on your iPod or computer and you listen whenever it's convenient to you. The podcast also will give us an opportunity to have a little more personal forum for our audience. We can give you a behind-the-scenes look at what we do and the topics we cover. And last but not least, we hope to reach and inspire a new audience eager to discover their family histories and have fun doing it. When you and I first started talking, I was so interested to hear that you often work up to six months ahead on your various articles for upcoming issues. And, you know, I feel good when I'm a couple of weeks ahead on a podcast. So um, you've really always got irons in the fire with new articles, don't you? We sure do. As a matter of fact, um, we're in the middle of working on our September issue right now. Um, We've got a lot of content starting to come in for our November issue. And um, we're also putting up some articles on our website from the July issue. So we really do have a lot of irons in the fire, as you put it. Well, and we're lucky because here on the podcast, we're going to get a chance to get the um, firsthand look from the editor herself as to what's coming up. So tell us about the next issue of Family Tree Magazine that's going to probably hit our mailboxes, um, well, I guess in May. It's for the June-July issue, right, for 2008? Yes, that's correct. Um, In our July issue, the cover story is Recharge Your Research. And in that article, contributing editor Sharon DeBertolo-Carmack shares 12 ways you can get your genealogy going when you're stuck. And she'll be sharing some tips later in the program. We also have a guide to French roots, reviews and ratings of six Mac family tree software programs, an article that spotlights library resources across the country, a guide to ancestral lodgings, that is, inns and cabins and other period authentic accommodations where you can sleep in your ancestors' beds, so to speak. And our ongoing state research guide series features Ohio and Florida this month. Oh, great. Well, now, the state guides that you do, that's been an ongoing project, hasn't it? It sure has, and something we've been working extra hard on recently. Uh, the, The series began in February 2005, and there are guides to two states in each issue, 
The series will be continuing through 2009, but we've worked ahead and we've finished the remaining states, plus we've done guides to Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico, and the whole series is now available on CD. Um, we'll be coming out with a book compilation this summer, and you can also buy individual digital downloads of states from our online back issue store. That's great because, you know, it's funny, we, we get really focused in on particular states that we know that a lot of our ancestors come from, and then all of a sudden somebody pops their head up and you realize, I have a whole new state I need to research. So we'll be able to, to tap right into the background information that you guys have collected on how to best go about researching in those states. Yeah, and the nice thing is if you missed um, the state or states you were looking for earlier um, when they were published, this gives you a chance to be able to get that information um, and go on with your research. Well, excellent. Well, that's going to be in the June-July 2008 issue that's coming up. We're going to have um, those next couple of states, and then we'll have the CD to look forward to. So thank you, Allison, for giving us the uh, heads up on what's coming down the road at Family Tree Magazine. Thanks, Lisa. Diane Haddad is the managing editor of Family Tree Magazine and official blogger for the magazine's Genealogy Insider blog, which you can find at FamilyTreeMagazine.com slash insider. She'll be joining us in each podcast to give us the inside scoop on what's going on in the genealogy blogosphere. Hi, Diane. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I know you have been a busy blogger lately, and, and not just a blogger, but kind of a TV star. Tell us what well. you've been up to. <laughs> um, well, I did get to be on the morning news shows in two different cities in California, which was really exciting and new for me, um, to talk about our partnership with Tamagotchi, um, the digital pet people. So let's let's just stop right there because now I know what Tamagotchis are because my kids used to play with them, uh -huh. but uh, maybe not everybody does. So what is a Tamagotchi? They're pets, right? Yes, it's a little digital pet um, shaped like an egg. It's on a keychain, and kids can use these pets to raise little Tamagotchi families. Um, Family Chi V5 is the latest version. And kids can play games with them. They can go online and play games and get little codes to put into the toy. And like give, that means they're giving their Tamagotchi characters treats. So they can raise a family. And then they can go on the Tama Generations website and they can trace the pet's family tree. And Family Tree Magazine is partnering with Tamagotchi to, to mm -hmm. bring all this great content to kids and kind of inspire them to look into their family tree, right? Right. We thought it was a fun way to introduce kids to the idea of genealogy and hopefully from doing their digital pets family tree, then they'll move on and do their own family tree. It's also a great thing that they can do with their parents or grandparents. That's a great idea. They can um, sit the grandparents down at the computer and, and show them the little family they've created, and, and mm -hmm. that can spur those conversations about their own families. Right, and maybe the grandparents can even pick up some computer tips. Yeah, exactly. Kids <laughs> are brilliant these days. So now there's the Tamagotchi website, but you also have some um, materials at the Family Tree Magazine website. Isn't that right? We do. We do. On the Tamagotchi website, kids can get some tips for interviewing their grandparents, for example, and for raising their pets. And then that site also links to kids.familytreemagazine.com, where we have kid-oriented 
how-tos and articles and some word games they can play that will introduce them to genealogy. And there's also a section for parents and teachers and grandparents to get some resources to help kids learn about their family history. Really? So, so mom or dad could go on the site uh, once the kids are in bed and, and get some ideas on how to make even more out of it then? Absolutely. Oh, how neat. Mm-hmm. Now, can our listeners, our listeners are listening to you now, but can they watch you on these um, television spots that you did? <laughs> There's one, um, one of the news stations has put up a clip of the segment um, so they can go to the Insider blog and we've posted a link to that station's website. So they can see it. <laughs> it's great viewing. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, great. Well, as I mentioned to everybody, the website for the Genealogy Insider blog is familytreemagazine.com slash insider. And I know that there were two posts recently. One was called, uh, I think it was Diane on NBC San Diego, and the other mm-hmm. one was Launch of Family Tree Kids in Partnership mm-hmm. with Tamagotchi. Um, so my guess is, Diane, you'll be keeping us informed through the Genealogy uh, Insider blog as to kind of what's going on and, and again, Absolutely. creative ways to get kids involved in genealogy. Right, and we'll be adding to that website. We'll be adding more content as, as we create it and as we find out about ways that kids are um, getting excited about family history. Oh, great. So it's not stagnant. You'll be adding some new things. Oh, absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us for this first episode, and we're going to get to talk with you each and every month, right? Yeah, I'm so glad. I can't wait. Oh, awesome. Thanks so much, Diane. You're welcome. Genealogy research requires a lot of effort and know-how, but let's admit it, there's a little bit of luck involved as well. Well, in this episode's top tips segment, we're going to talk to Maureen Taylor about how to make some of our own luck in finding distant relatives. Now, you know Maureen as the author of Family Tree Magazine's Photo Detective blog, and she is the author of the article Charmed Life, Five Strategies for Creating Family Tree Connections in the July 2008 issue of the magazine. Welcome to the show, Maureen. Hi, Lisa. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I love the premise for this article because I really believe in making your own luck. I mean, half the battle in our family research is just knowing where to look for people. And I think finding living people is often so much harder than finding your ancestors, isn't it? I think so. (laughs) Finding living people is very difficult. Whereas, you know, we have all these resources online and ways to reconnect with, I I call them lost family. you can go on message boards, you can you know, do family photo reunions, DNA, you can go to auction sites and find missing artifacts you know, that you might have seen when you were a kid, and you can go to a family reunion. All that sort of stuff is possible. The really surprising part of pitching this idea to the editors was the response that we received from posting just a couple of lines in the Family Tree Magazine forum on the Family Tree Magazine website. A good 10 or 12 people wrote almost immediately after Allison posted the two-sentence request for stories, and everyone had something different to say. It was totally fascinating. So it really struck a nerve with the readers out there. And just so everybody knows, um, the message forum is a place where people can go on the Family Tree Magazine website and talk, you know, throw out ideas, and sometimes the editors do throw out some of these um, 
questions because they're looking at doing articles. So, so it really hit a nerve with the listeners, huh? It really hit a nerve with the listeners. A lot of people wrote to me personally telling me their stories. They posted to the forum, and everyone had something different to say. They all had one thing in common, is that they reconnected with missing family things or people or found living relatives. But it was it's so interesting uh, to see how everyone sort of comes to the final moment where they, they make that reconnection and how wonderful it is to, to finally see or feel or touch something that had been missing, a piece of their family history that had been missing. One woman talks about how she posted something on a message board and this woman came to visit and said, well, I have bags and bags and bags worth of material about this ancestor that they knew very little about. Or two women posted on a message board and discovered that they were researching the same person, um, but they didn't know each other. That's amazing. And, you know, sometimes when we hear stories like this, we just think, oh, that's luck. I mean, that would never happen to me. But in your article, you really talk about how you can kind of make it happen to you. If you don't look, you can't know it's not going to happen to you. Mm -hmm. There have been amazing stories. Uh, There's a colleague of mine who had a photo reunion that she mentions in the article where she went on deadfred.com, which is a very popular photo reunion site. About 5,000 people a week use Dead Fred, and he has over 1,000 reunions to date. And this one went on, searched her surname on the site, and came literally eye-to-eye with a Civil War ancestor. Oh, that's amazing. And because she found him, she found other photographs of people in the family. Now, you mentioned in the article that you also... um, have done some DNA testing. Has that? Do you have a personal story of your own that you share in the article? Uh, DNA testing. <laughs> that was another article I wrote for Family Tree Magazine in which I decided to be the sort of average consumer and see what the DNA tests could turn up for someone with a very common surname like mine, Taylor. I mean, it's one of the most popular surnames in the country. And I really have some brick walls in my family, and I thought, gee, all these stories of people solving their brick walls through DNA, let's see if I can make it happen myself. Mm -hmm. So I submitted test kits on on my father's line and and through my brother's um, cheek samples. And about a year went, nothing happened. There were no matches, no near matches, no no nothing. And I thought, well, I guess it's not going to work because that's really not what you should do with DNA anyway. You should try to... You should have two people and try to prove that you're related, not just sort of do this scattershot approach that I did. But about a year later, this man in England wrote me an email, and he said, guess what? We match. And we've been searching ever since just to find out how we match, you know, where the connecting generation is. And it it looks like it's pretty far back. He can't help me with my brick wall, and I can't help him with his brick wall. But we know for a fact through DNA that we are related. Well, it's one more clue that more you clue. know that somewhere down the line there's going to be that's going to be a good place to be looking you know is is in England and and that you'll have somebody that you can check in with if you do find something exactly. If I can make that leap over the Atlantic, we're good <laughs> right and and of course, you mentioned one of the strategies that's near and dear to my heart, which is um eBay searches. 
Um, I actually, I don't know if everybody knows, but you can set up alerts for eBay searches, things that you look for. So rather than having to look every day or every week, you can do one search, save it, and tell eBay, you email me when you find something that matches this criteria. And um, I, I kind of was skeptical about it when I first took a look at it, but I, I threw some things out there. And one in particular was I knew that my husband's grandfather had um, been a music teacher in Oregon in a little town back in the 1940s. And I had no pictures of him uh, any earlier than probably 1960. And one day I got an email, hey, Here's somebody who's selling yearbooks from this high school in this little town in Oregon from the 1940s. And um, I contacted the seller and I said, would you be willing to look and see? Do you see a Raymond Cook <laughs> in there? And he said, he wrote me back and he said, I've got four years and he's holding the baton and he's leading the band. And I bought every single one of them. I mean, it was so exciting. I haven't had any personal luck with the eBay auction sites. But it's a it's like a passive way of, of of having somebody else do the searching for you. So you set up the alerts, and then eBay really does contact you when they find something. The message boards are much more active. You have to actually go on and 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 write all these postings and and see what happens. The same with DNA. You have to collect the cheek samples. But again, once you've collected the cheek samples, the DNA companies will obviously will let you know when you find when they find a match. I love that. Send me an email saying so many people have, have matched so many markers, and and then you can go and connect with them. Same with the auction sites. Sort of an alert, a DNA alert. It's like having your own little personal research assistants out there looking for you and making you aware of it when something comes up. That's right. Um, the other good thing to do when you're looking for family that might be still living uh, is to attend a family reunion. If you search online for, I don't know, any your surname family reunion, you might be surprised to find out that there are people out there that, for your surname that have reunions every year, every other year, and by contacting them, uh, you might get an invitation to come to the reunion. Oh, wouldn't that be exciting? That's a great idea. Well, you can find more inspiration for finding distant relatives at the Family Tree Magazine forum, as we mentioned. Um, there is a thread called Success Stories. So you can go to FamilyTreeMagazine.com and click the Forum tab. And, of course, you'll find lots more great genealogy resources and information throughout the website. So I'll have links in the show notes for this episode to the Forum, as well as Maureen's um, fabulous photo detective blog. Thank you so much, Maureen, for joining us today. This has been terrific. I'm really looking forward to reading the article. Thanks, Lisa. The annual list of 101 best websites for genealogy has been a Family Tree Magazine staple since the beginning in 2000. But not all genealogists are at the same place in their research, so this year the list has been divided up into categories that focus in on who will find them most beneficial. For example, this year there is the best for beginners category, uh, the best of web researchers, the best for military buffs. There's a best for those researching through DNA and some best of categories by location and a lot more. Well, I've asked Allison Stacy, the editor of Family Tree Magazine, to join us here to introduce one of her favorite websites from the list. So what have you picked out for us, Allison? Lisa, I'm going to talk a little bit about WorldCat. 
Um, you could think of it as a library catalog on steroids. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not covering just one library or library system like your local public library, but it actually covers thousands of libraries all over the globe. And I use it almost daily. Really? So just with your regular genealogy research, you're out there looking up information and, and basically tapping into thousands of library catalogs? Well, I use it not just for my personal research, but also because we reference so many books in the magazine. Being able to verify information about those books, WorldCat is a terrific resource. Um, and sometimes those needs kind of mesh together. As an example from last week, I was working on an online tutorial uh, for the Google Book Search, and I came across a history of Wood County, Ohio, and some of my ancestors lived there. So when I plugged that title into WorldCat, it instantly showed me a whole list of libraries that have the book. You can enter in your city and state, and when I did that, it shows you the closest location. And it just so happens that my local library in Cincinnati has the book, and so I can go there to look it up. And if it were at a library that wasn't so close, I could investigate whether I could get on interlibrary loan. So it's really like uh, one-stop shopping for all the libraries across the country. It really is, and that's what's so great about it, because it would take a lot of time to go and try and find these resources by searching library catalogs individually. By using WorldCat, you can plug it in and instantly figure out what's the closest place that has it. You can order your interlibrary loan within minutes and have that resource on its way to you. Oh, how cool. And I know that, you know, WorldCat is really keeping up with the digital age. They're, they seem to be expanding beyond their catalog. They offer you the ability to create lists for your account so that you can not only keep track of items like um, materials that you've always, already scoured um, so that you don't repeat them, but you can also keep lists of items that you want to get back to when you have time or even share those lists with other people. So it's becoming much more interactive. It is, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a great tool for genealogists. You can use it for more than just lookups. Um, it's got a lot of features integrated into it that are helpful for your genealogy. And the one I, I like in particular, well, there's two. There's um, Build a Bibliography, where you can create citations in, in five different styles. And, of course, you know, proper citations are really key to genealogy research. And also, I'm a Facebook user on I love the fact that WorldCat now can be added to your Facebook, and you can search right from there. You can um, create, again, lists and invite other people to use it. And I, I understand they have just now offered a plug-in for Firefox browser users. So uh, even if you're currently in your Firefox browser or you're working in Facebook and you think of something that you want to look up, you can do it right from there. So pretty cool stuff. Allison, would you give us the website address for WorldCat where people can find it? You bet. It's www.worldcat.org. All one word. W-O-R-L-D-C-A-T. Great. Well, thanks so much. We'll look forward to seeing the list and all the other terrific websites that you have to recommend. Great. Thank you, Lisa. In each episode of the podcast, 
we'll be presenting a Best of Family Tree magazine segment where we get a chance to dig into the wealth of information that has been covered over the years in the magazine. And believe me, there's a lot to choose from. In this episode, I thought we'd start with the age-old challenge of brick walls. Research dead ends can really drain your genealogical batteries. Well, in 2006, Family Tree Magazine published a genealogy guidebook special issue that was devoted to brick wall solutions. I've invited Sharon Bartola Carmack to join us for this segment because she wrote a terrific article in the guidebook called Name Calling, which was about how name changes and spelling variations can trip up your research. And her newest article called Stuck? 15 Ways to Recharge Your Research is the cover story for the July 2008 issue. No one knows how to bust a brick wall like Sharon does. Here's my interview with her. Hi, Sharon. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Oh, it's wonderful to have you. I know you've been a longtime contributing editor for Family Tree Magazine, but you're also a professional genealogist, so I imagine you've learned a number of trade secrets over the years. They're, they're trade secrets only in that they are things that we as professional genealogists do all the time, and there really isn't anything secret about it. People can do them themselves. They're, they're very easy, very um, logical things that anybody can do. So for really, then maybe the more accurate way to describe it would be the, the tried and true, the ones that really pay off for you. Absolutely. I would call it that more than, more than trade secrets. Trade secrets make it sound like we're, we're trying not to share this information. <laughs> I don't have a problem sharing it. <laughs> well, I know in the uh, upcoming article, you've got 12 tried and true tactics for breaking brick walls, and we are anxiously awaiting to hear about them because I'm, I'm sure all of our listeners have at least one that they're dealing with. So maybe you could kind of walk us through um, what some of the strategies are that you have for recharging our research. Okay. Well, there are a number of strategies, of course, and, and one of them would be to go to genealogical society meetings and network with other people, talk your problem over with other people, uh, read guidebooks, um, attend classes, um, that sort of thing. But the two things that I have found have been most successful in doing research for clients and even doing my own family history is to go back and review the records you've gathered and to start writing your family history. Now, I know a lot of people don't plan to write their family history, and that's okay. What I mean by writing your family history is kind of writing a report to yourself, summarizing the research you've done, summarizing the things you've found. And I have found that as I'm writing client reports or even writing my own family history up, that that's where I see the holes in my research. That's where I start to, things start to fall into place for me. And from that point, it leads me to go back to my records that I've already gathered and look at those with fresh eyes. And some of these records I may have gathered 5, 10, 15 years ago. And as I'm writing it and going back and looking at these records again, all of a sudden I start to see things that I missed the first time around. So I found those two things probably to be the, the best things that you can do when you're stuck on a brick wall problem. What a great idea. You know, I almost panicked when you talked about writing your family history because, you know, you, our, our instinct is to say, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not there yet. Mm -hmm. But 
I can really see what you're saying about if you just not write it for the final audience, but start to put it out almost in timeline fashion, it's in order. I'm sure those gaps just kind of pop out at you. They really do, because as you're writing it in a chronological order, you know, writing out full sentences rather than just, you know, George Jones born this date. If you write it out, George Jones was born on this date in this place, etc. He married so and so, and you kind of start to put it together like a little biographical sketch of each ancestor, um, and at the same time citing your sources and reminding yourself where you got that information. I've gone back a couple of times where I thought, oh, okay, the marriage record must have given me this guy's middle name, and I go back to the marriage record, no, it just gave me a middle initial, so where did I get that middle name from? And then I start going through the rest of my records. So it really helps to just put it down on paper as a biographical sketch and then trying to remember, okay, where did I get that information, citing the sources, and going back and double-checking those records and making sure you did get every piece of information from the records. I'll bet in doing this process that you'll find that there were things that you found early on the research, and you thought, okay, great, check that off my list. But months or maybe even years down the road, as you're writing up this report, you realize you know a lot more now than you did when you first found that source. So do you ever find those, if you go back, that all of a sudden your eyes are open to something that you didn't catch the first time? Oh, absolutely. The more you research, the more your knowledge changes, the more your experience changes. And sometimes when you gather that record the first time, like say a census record, you weren't really paying attention to who the neighbors were. You were just focused on the ancestor. Well, a couple of years later, as you're doing more research, you may find those neighbors were actually relatives of your ancestor or married into the family. And then going back to that census record, you go, geez, they were living right next door. I never even noticed that. So it really does pay off. Well, this is terrific. I mean, I already feel inspired to uh, jump back in and, and not only write down what I know, but maybe revisit some of the things that I thought I already knew and see if there's something new there. Thank you so much for, for joining us and for sharing these ideas, and I can't wait to read the article. I, I know that you've got 12 great strategies in there that are going to benefit all of us. Well, I hope that does inspire you and your listeners, Lisa, and I appreciate you having me. Thanks so much to Sharon Bartolo Carmack for all her great advice. Be sure and visit the Family Tree Magazine website and check out the show notes for this episode because she's got a genealogical source checklist available there for you. It's a comprehensive list of various sources that you won't want to miss when you're doing your research. Sort of a sneak peek from the July 2008 issue, and it's available now free for download. Thanks so much for joining me for the first episode of the Family Tree Magazine podcast, a monthly show from America's number one genealogy magazine. Here are a couple of action items for you until we meet here again next month. First, keep an eye out for that article on breaking through brick walls in the July 2008 issue. And let me know if you break through some of yours. 
You can email me at ftmpodcast at gmail.com. That's FTM for Family Tree Magazine, podcast at gmail.com. And of course, I'd love to hear what you think about the show. Next, be sure and stop by the Family Tree Magazine website at familytreemagazine.com and visit the forum. We've got a great discussion topic going. The question is, what research traps have you fallen into? And how did you climb your way out? And finally, thank you so much for joining me for this first Family Tree Magazine podcast. I'm Lisa Louise Cook, and I hope you'll visit me at my website at genealogygems.tv, where you can listen to my Genealogy Gems podcast, which is also available through iTunes. So until next time, have fun climbing your family tree. 